The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Here we go. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc podcast. I'm your host and Alistair Haken that has only gotten four hours of sleep. I have my drink from last podcast, which is about two weeks old at this point, but it's still got the fizz, so I'm not going to question it. Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk about stuff. Let's, let's. Oh, God. Okay. This is not the topic to be talking about when I have only had four hours of sleep. So, But we're going to do it anyway because, I mean, YOLO. YOLO swag meme cringe compilation 2021 gone sexual. Is that even a thing that they put in videos anymore? Gone sexual? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be bonkers. All right. Let's get started. So, So, let's talk about this, okay? You ready? Tokenization. <gasps> I said it. I said it. The word tokenization. It's a problem. Okay. It, tokenization. Let's. So first, let's define the tokenization. On Google, Google, Google. I promise you, I'm not drunk. I'm just really tired. All right. Um. I guess we'll have to go on Wikipedia tokenism all right tokenism tokenism is the practice of making only a perfunctory or symbolic effort to be inclusive to members of minority groups especially by recruiting people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of racial or gender equality within a workforce or media so tokenism or tokenization let's um let's start let's let's start off with Let's start off with some really bad, like, basically, get your shit together. Okay, basically, the problem with tokenization is not that it includes black, brown, Asian, women, queer, gay, transsexual people, right? No, the problem is when you do it simply to get woke points, to try and, you know, use it as a selling point rather than making a... Uh, making a, a a actual character. Wait a minute, hold on. What am I reading here? Hey, whoa! I, whoever this name is has stated that this character is a form of tokenism that placed one of the most optimistic faces on racial inclusion in a genre genre that is historically excluded black representation. I guess that's a, I don't know, I don't know if that's an, uh, an admonishment or a, or a piece of praise about Lando Calrissian, but we're going to ignore him. What we're going to talk about is, ta, 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 ta. what we're going to talk about is how, how a lot of these, a lot of these woke directors and such 
consistently bringing these black, brown, gay, female characters in, right? But they don't actually realize how damaging or or regressive the representation of these characters are. Such as one of my least favorite black characters in any film in the past 10 years is Finn. I cannot stand Finn. I can't stand him. Not because he not because he has no potential. Not because John Boyega is an awful person or anything. No. Why I don't like Finn actually for a counterintuitive reason. I don't like Finn because he had the most potential out of all the the Star Wars sequel characters to be good. And they ended up just completely flubbing it. I'm trying not to say the F word within the first five minutes of the podcast, okay? So what happened is that with Finn, in case you didn't know, Finn in the Star Wars sequel trilogy was a former stormtrooper that realized he had gotten in wrong with the with the, with, the, with the wrong crowd. You feel me, right? And um, and he was like, "Hey, so I'm not gonna slaughter a whole village full of innocent people. So I gotta get the hell out of here, bro." Right. So there's there's a bit of a man. Come on, dude. There's a bit of a um. There's a bit of an interesting arc there where he flees, you know, there could, there could be some, there could be an arc there where he flees his, um, he flees and he doesn't fight back against oppression, right? So that could be a, really interesting. We've never gotten a, star, a the perspective of a stormtrooper in the Star Wars main, you know, in the Star Wars mainline episodes, but instead of taking this character and making him you know, like a Jedi or something, or something interesting, like the new Han Solo, where he's like a gunslinger, and he's super accurate with guns and stuff, what they decided to do was make him a janitor, who, for some reason, he's on, like, his first mission in that episode, and he just didn't know that, hey, um, you're working for a super Nazi death cult in space (laughs) that likes to just kill innocent people, this is your first day on the job, apparently, you didn't know what you were signing up for, Finn, idiot, but then on top of that, he was a janitor, so he doesn't have any combat experience, and he's a bumbling fool for the majority of the, the sequel trilogy. Like, I think only in episode one, he's portrayed as competent. After that, he's progressively more and more bumbling to the point where he's kind of a joke by the end of, by the time Rise of Skywalker comes around. But the fact that J.J. Abrams decided, hey, we're going to take this black character and we're going to make him a janitor that's also kind of a goofball. Why? Why did you do that? Like when especially when we have two other characters in the same universe that are literally like not <laughs> this form of regressive nonsense. We have Mace Windu, one of the most powerful Jedi on the Jedi Council. And then you have Lando Calrissian. While at first he betrayed Han Solo, he did it for his, you know, he did it for his people. But then he came around. And he became a good guy, right? Like that's some depth right there. Like these characters, like we've had characters in the Star Wars universe that are black, or not white, and are not super regressive, and super goofballish. So Finn is just an insult to me, to be completely honest. That. You decided to make this character black specifically to have black representation. And then you decided to screw it up anyway by making him a goofball janitor. Why would you, why, why would you do that? What? 
What a waste of time. What a waste of time and resources. Especially when you decided to make the white woman... You decided to make the white woman the main character of the sequel trilogy. If... if if racial minority if you want more representation in racial minorities why in the world did you make the white woman the main character Th this is also kind of the problem behind intersectionality by the way when you focus too much on inalienable characteristics of a person everybody loses but okay yeah so let's pick a let's pick a different one um let's see Oh, uh, God. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. <laughs> the reason why I'm picking Captain Marvel is because not because she's a woman, but like Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel or whatever has always been a woman. Right. Like this, like, you know, Carol Danvers and, you know, Marvel and all that they're, they're woman. Right. At least I think I don't know. I'm a normie. So but the reason people often straw man people like me with arguments such as such as oh you don't like her because she's a woman and you're a sexist and all that it's like no i don't like her because she's a shit character she's an awful character and th the fact is that the even the the filmmakers kind of know that she's an awful character and they wrote a scene in captain marvel 1 that they deleted for good for good reason where Carol, instead of just stealing the motorcycle from the uh, from the guy that told her to smile, which was just, ugh, God, <laughs> whatever. But instead of just stealing the motorcycle from the guy, because in the movie proper, it's kind of a plot hole where somehow she just takes the dude's motorcycle without the keys. But it turns out that that plot hole is covered in a deleted scene where Carol Danvers threatens to rip this dude's arm off. And he, she basically commits strong-armed robbery, using for using force or threats of force or violence to get something from him. Like, bro, this is this is your this is this is your positive female representation. That women are are emotionally uncontrollable, manipulative bitches. Is this is this your is this your positive female representation? This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about where you accidentally make very regressive remarks about minorities and and quote unquote oppressed groups, right? When you do stuff like that, when you try to make power fantasies for these characters, you end up doing like really screwed up screwed up stuff like that. I didn't really know if I was going to curse or not right there. Don't, look, man, four hours of sleep. Like, please just give me a break. <laughs> but stuff like that is really regressive when you try to, like, play the... The funny thing is a lot of these situations are played by... Are, are created by, funny enough, white people. Where these white people basically want to play white savior. Or it's like... Since I since I can't I feel powerless to do anything about you know minorities and women and stuff we're gonna put minorities and women in power in our film and it's like okay let me go on a tangent for a second um I don't remember who said this but I remember hearing someone say the best way to normalize this was in regards to trans people but they said the best way to normalize oppressed groups is to treat them like they're normal make fun of them make jokes about them 
Don't treat them like they're princesses and princes and angels and stuff. Like, like, let me think. A good a good example of a character that isn't tokenized is like Cyborg. Cyborg, like, I, I'll go with the Teen Titans version and like the TV show because I like that Cyborg. But that Cyborg isn't tokenized. His race is almost never, as a matter of fact, in the TV show proper, it's never brought up. His race is never brought up in the TV show. And as a kid, he was my favorite character, not because he was black, hint, hint. He was my favorite character because he seemed like the most human to me. I, I alluded to this episode in, I believe it was the Zack Snyder Justice League episode, which basically, that episode doesn't exist anymore because, like I said, Mahler created a video that basically erases all my opinions in that bit, in that podcast episode. But let's talk about this episode from Teen Titans. What's it called? Only Human is the episode title, which is the episode where um, where Cyborg has to fight this guy named, I believe his name is Atlas. Is that his name? Atlas? Let me check. Move. <laughs> yeah, he has to fight the guy Atlas and like his, his, his suit or his robot parts can only operate at 100% efficiency and like I forget who who motivates him to push past his limit. Um, I believe it was Starfire. I don't remember, but he but basically he had to push past his limit by using his human side and pushing beyond the one hundred percent that his suit could go. I believe it was Robin. I don't remember. I have to watch this episode again. But this is one of my favorite episodes because it really like it it had a message that really spoke to me as a kid that. You're only as good as you're able. You're only as good as you're able to push yourself. No, no statistic, no number, no, no metric can speak for who you are. What speaks for who you are is how far you can push yourself, and that is a fantastic and outstanding message to teach kids. And notice how nothing in that episode has to do with Cyborg's race. Cyborg is black, and it's never brought up in the show ever, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I, I missed, like, the later seasons, so maybe they did bring it up. But in the episodes that I remember, they never brought up the fact that Cyborg was black. It's all about him and him passing his expectations and limits on himself, which is awesome. One of my favorite episodes in Teen Titans. But... Let's look at, let, like, that. that's how you do a black character right. Stop bringing up the fact that he's black. I mean, granted, they don't do that with Finn. They do They do that with Captain Marvel, where they keep bringing up the fact that she's a woman. And you, you have these stupid, these stupid, pandering-ass you-go-girl moments, which are just gross. But with Finn, it's just like, it's passive representation. Where in the movie proper, they don't mention the fact that he's black. But, you know, in the marketing and the conception of the character, it was the character exists solely because he's black. The character has to be black in the eyes of J.J. Abram. That's how he was developed. When in all actuality, you could replace him with anybody and it, it would be the same. That's not to say that's good or bad, but that's just the, the 
That's just that's just it. Is that a lot of uh, both good and bad characters can? How do I put this? It depends on the the motive. With Cyborg, they made him black just because, I guess. I don't think him being black really matters in the law in the grand scheme of things because it was like i said it was never really mentioned in the show however with finn he was developed solely because he was black that was his entire shtick is that he was black and that's it if you're trying to do positive representation then don't make it so that the black character can be replaced by you know a white guy like a good example of a character that has to be black is someone like Black Panther, where he has to be black because, like, Wakanda is, like, in the middle of Africa. Like, he has to be black. It's not like South Africa where there's white people in South Africa. It's in the middle of Africa. So he has to be black. It just makes sense. Another instance where a character, like... I don't remember the details specifically because it's been quite a while since I played this game. But Dragon Age Inquisition, um, the what's his name? I believe his name is Dorian. Dorian in Dragon Age Inquisition, like he's gay as fuck, right? <laughs> Let's be real, he's gay. Um, and that's um, and that's actually a part of his character and it's a part of his quest is that his father like tried to use magic to turn him straight. Basically, use magic to uh, convert him to straight, um, and that like him being gay is actually important to the plot, right? So that's that's kind of like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Where like if you're going to give these characters these traits, such as being black or gay or a woman, it has to like either matter if that is your intention. Or if that's not your intention, it it cannot be forced upon you. It's kind of weird. Where if you don't want to focus on them being gay or bisexual or whatever, right? Then you can't keep shoving it in our face. If you are trying to make that representation, then you have to make it relative to the plot. Other than I'm gay. Like, you can't do that. I mean, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm not. I'm I promise you I'm not gay. I'm not. I like women. I like titties. I do. Trust me, I don't I don't like the idea of a man encroaching upon my space with strong muscles. I'm not I'm telling you I'm I'm one hundred percent straight. One hundred uh one hundred percent straight, I promise you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about another character, which which this is kind of a part two to my episode. I believe it was episode nine where I said your politics bore me. This is the part two where what the hell is happening? I hear noises. Stop that. But this is kind of a part two to my politics episode where I talked about how you're like with Ray and all the female characters in what was that movie? The Last Jedi. 
all the female characters in The Last Jedi, they were all the male characters were sacrificed to make sure the female characters looked good. And Rey is the shining example of how not to do this. Where Rey is, as <laughs> as I've heard so many times, Rey is the bestest ever. Right? And with Rey, she never does anything wrong. And it's that's also pretty regressive. In the sense that you think so, the director thinks so little of minorities and women that they don't think that women can fail or minor. Well, let's see what marginalized is the term they like to use. They don't think that marginalized people can make mistakes. They don't think marginalized people can have negative traits. They basically don't think marginalized people can have human qualities such as flaws um the concept of making mistakes anxiety like they, they don't believe that these people can have negative traits which if you rob a character of these negative traits you rob them the quality of being human because that is really but that is okay try it again that is the concept behind being human is that we we live we live a very flawed existence where we we make mistakes we we are very paradoxical creatures i've said this before i don't remember if i said it on the podcast but i've said this before where we're very po- paradoxical creatures where we created perfection the concept of perfection yet we strive for it yet we will never achieve it that's so that's so strange to me we created it we strive for it, but we will never have it. We we humans are incredibly easy to kill, yet very hard to kill. You'd be surprised at what humans can survive, and you'd be surprised at how quickly you can die. Humans are very paradoxical creatures. We are very strange creatures, dude. And to and to only and to only show one side of the paradox and not the other is robbing your character of that very human aspect. So I I don't like I don't want to say the word but yeah that like when you write your character as a Mary Sco- a Mary Stew a Mary Stew huh, when you write your character as a Mary Sue or a Gary Stew you are robbing your character of being human. And when you do it to try and do representation quote unquote it, it's really belittling and re- regressive towards that audience and now i'm about to talk about everyone's favorite uh tokenized character Ooh, here we go here we go miles morales yeah i don't know too much about him in the comics just to be fair but his his portrayal in into the spider-verse I did not like it. I do not like his portrayal in that movie. Because the thing the thing that bothers me is that his design is like it's like someone decided what if we made Spider-Man but black and better. Like I've I I hypothesized this a while ago and it kind of bothers me because when you really look at Miles Morales' power set, it covers all of peter parkness's weaknesses like not only does he already have peter parker's like 
web slinging and sticking to walls and stuff and his spider sense but he also has venom strikes which in the movie he can hit kingpin into another dimension and then he can turn invisible so i mean spider-man is already the stealthy the stealthy character right but now he can just go invisible like what and then his venom strike as portrayed in the movie spider-man is kind of a lightning bruiser where like or rather he's more of like a you know he's strong but he's not like you know like hulk strong or anything like that hell i don't think he's even captain america strong he's just strong like he's stronger than the average guy but he's not like superhuman strong he's pretty strong but not that strong like captain america strong or captain america could probably he probably holds back a lot in his fights but but peter parker is not like you know like it, dealing with like someone like Rhino is still a bit of an issue, except for that one animated series episode where he where he wore the black suit and he like spun him in the ground. That was funny. Um, but with with Miles Morales, this the the Venom Strike is just like now he can do Hulk level punches with the size of Peter Parker, and it's like, bro, what? <laughs> He has all of the benefits of Spider-Man, but also all of the weaknesses are covered. And then on top of that, his character in the movie is sorely lacking because he's established as being like this. This is kind of a critique of the movie, but he's established as being like this graphic artist and he likes to slap stickers on stuff and do graffiti and, you know, draw and stuff. Yet that doesn't ever translate to him, you know, his create like that kind of level of creativity doesn't translate to him as Spider-Man. He just does the same stuff Peter Parker does. Like, imagine if he was like, like his graphic design thing would translate to him as Spider-Man. He could like web up designs and stuff and like stuff like that, like that creativity, that creative mindset could transfer into his spider, his, his spider persona. But it never materializes in the movie. Like, his whole desire to, like, do graphic art and graffiti and draw and stuff is only in, like, the first act of the movie. And then after that, it's kind of forgotten. So, like, once he gets bitten, if I'm not mistaken, the whole graphic design and the the drawing and stuff, that disappears. And after that, he just becomes a mirror for Peter Parker. He just tries to emulate Peter Parker. Even afterwards where he's like be your own person he's not really his own person he's just peter parker but black so i feel like it's a it's genuinely a a disservice to have him have these potentially interesting things yet dumb them dumb him down to basically just being a black peter parker you could do so much so many more cool things with a character like that where he has Spider-Man's power set, but his mind works differently from Peter Parker's. He's more creative. Like, Peter Parker would be more like doing, like, you know, like, contraptions and stuff and pulleys and stuff with his his web-slinging. Like in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, where Peter Parker uses the the webbing as, like a, like, a sonar thing where, like, he plucks it and then he can tell, like, where Lizard is and stuff. That's a very Peter Parker thing to do because Peter Parker is low-key a genius, right? But... For Miles Morales, where's the creative web-slinging that comes with, like, being a graphic designer, right? Where are the creative ideas that come with that? In the majority of the final act of the movie where he finally becomes Spider-Man, all he does is punch and kick. 
and occasionally web sling, but he just does stuff that regular old Peter Parker can do. And that's a that's a travesty. Because if you're really going to like you know make this, if you're going to sell this as a separate character and not just a black version of Peter Parker where he has a different backstory and everything, can you at least make his Spider-Man different? Because all you're doing is pulling a Hasbro here. Like, Peter Parker is Starscream, and Miles Morales is Thundercracker. I'm not stupid. I can see how similar they are in this movie. And then Gwen Stacy comes along, and she's just Slipstream, for Christ's sake. I know that's, that's, that's Transformers animated lore, by the way, that Slipstream isn't usually a female version of Starscream, but that, we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> but, yeah, like... Miles Morales is a is a is sorely is sorely a lost opportunity to make a new and interesting Peter uh, or not Peter a new and interesting Spider-Man that fights differently from Peter Parker. Instead, what you did is you took Peter Parker, buffed him a little bit, made him black, and then made his mom a hot, spicy Latina woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Miles' mom, man. Miles' mom, especially in that movie. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I... Look, guys, to wrap it up, look. If you're going to make these characters that are, like, black or marginalized, based off of marginalized groups, can you please make them characters first? Deadass. Because the way that I approached it in, in my book series, right? All of the characters in my book series... Are all the characters in my book series? You can swap up the race and the genders, and for the most part, they all stay the same because the the characters do not lie in their their skin color or what lies between their legs or who they like to sleep with. Their characters does not lie in that. You strip you like for say someone like let's say Ozzy, right? You have a scatterbrained fellow, well, not even a fellow. You have a scatterbrained person who is an efficient perfectionist and is constantly the keeper of their friend's secrets. Nothing about that has to do with his, with his or her gender. If I wanted to, I could take those aspects and apply them to, say, like Melanie. I could take those aspects and apply them to the villain Rise. It, it doesn't matter what the gender, race, or sexuality of the character is. It's all about the character themselves, their personality, their quirks, their 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 purpose in the story. That one sentence, like I, ta- I talked about in my previous episode, that one sentence that narrows the character down. And the problem with a lot of these characters is that you can narrow it down to a black version of another character that already exists or a female version of a character that already exists or god forbid for captain marvel a female a woman literally that's that's how the the movie almost ends on that note where ron what's his name ronan just calls her the woman because that's all she is is a woman so yeah really think all you future artists out there, all you future writers, really think about what you're doing. 
don't make characters minorities or women or mar- quote unquote marginalized groups just for the sake of it, just for diversity points. It's called affirmative action, and uh, we black folk are not too fond of that, by the way. But yeah, really write write you up that sentence, man. That sentence, please and thank you. We're gonna wrap it up here, folks. We're hitting our time limit here. I'm gonna finish this drink, and I'm about to get me some rest. So. You all stay classy, folks, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace out. Ugh. Listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 